book of Malachi as we continue our little study uh, in this book. I want to start reading in um, let's see verse 11 of chapter 1. Would you please stand for the reading of God's word this evening? Let's hear the word of the Lord. From the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its food may be despised. But you say, what a wearisome weariness this is. And you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick. And this... Uh, you bring as your offering. Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat, who has a male in his flock and vows it and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am the great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. And now, O priest, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you. And I will curse your blessing. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your own offspring. You shall be taken away with it. So shall you know that I have sent this command to you, that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned away from iniquity. From the lips of a priest should guard knowledge. The people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts, which you have turned aside from your way. You have caused me to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And so I will make you despised and debased before all the people inasmuch as you do not keep my ways but show partiality in your instruction. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Please be seated. Let's go to God in prayer. Pray for me as I preach this text. Pray for yourselves as you sit under the proclamation of God's word. Let's pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, as we read these words from this Old Testament minor prophet, we see that you are a God who is jealous for your own name and a God who takes seriously those who profane your name and those who fail to do what you call them to do. We ask, O God, that you would be with us this evening. I pray, O Lord, that you would be with me as I preach this text. Pray, Heavenly Father, that as we go through it, You would help us to examine our hearts, help us to find conviction where there needs to be conviction and encouragement, O Lord, where there is encouragement to be had. For we, O God, should be an encouraged people always because our great God is a God of redemption, the God of salvation, the God who has loved us 
with an everlasting love, but therefore you have drawn us to yourself in loving kindness. We are your children. Do bless us, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. In 1954, there was a movie that was released called The Naked Jungle. It starred Charlton Heston. He was in the South America. He was a plantation owner. He had hired a wife to come in. She married by proxy, and she was there with him, although he did not care anything about her. And it was the nemesis in this movie was a big horde of army ants. And it showed them from a distance. You could see them all over the mountain. Charlton Heston was going to save his plantation. Some of you may have seen it from this horde of ants that were marching toward his place. So they did all these things that they could do, and uh, they made ready for them, and the ants were terribly smart. They cut leaves and were floating across the waters that they had put out in ditches to help them, help them keep them from getting across. And there was a man placed at a dam who was supposed to open the gates to the dam when the horn blew. Only thing is, he fell asleep. By the time he woke up, he was covered with ants. He couldn't do anything. Well, he died. That's what he did. So Charlton Heston has to go out in amongst the ants. He puts oil on himself, which, by the way, was molasses. It wasn't really oil. I heard him say that in an interview. And um, uh, he goes out and he blows up his own dam, floods his own property in order to save his land, which was kind of ruined by the flood. But the house is still there. He burned furniture and all sorts of things. But he finally drowned the ants and they were taken away. Dereliction of duty. If that one man whose responsibility it was to open up the floodgates to the dam, had done his job, then everything would have been fine. Everything would have gone well. Or imagine if we are a group of soldiers and we are out and we send somebody to be on guard for us. They're supposed to sound an alarm if they see the enemy coming and they fail to do so. And then there's dereliction of duty. In the text this evening, which we may think has no application to us whatsoever, because, well, I'm a preacher, but y'all aren't. Uh, because this addressed the priest. But I think the Bible tells us that we're all priests. We believe in the priesthood of all believers. And as we begin into this study, we can ask ourselves, how faithful are we in carrying out our duties and our responsibilities before the Lord? Are we derelict in those duties, or are we being faithful in those duties? Because you receive from the text this evening, God does not take it lightly. When people are not doing what they're supposed to be doing, especially when it comes to abusing the word. And when we are disobedient to the Lord, are we not also abusing the word at that point by ignoring him? I have to see this evening that because God is very serious about his people honoring him as his children, we should see to it that we are faithful in all things that we do regarding all of our life. And the first thing then, the problem with the priest in Malachi's day, uh, the identification of these, they are the priest of the Old Testament. They are the descendants of Levi. You know, they were set up by the Lord. Uh, they were to- ordered by Moses what he was supposed to do. You can read about the ordination of uh, Aaron and his sons back in uh, the Exodus text. And we're not going to do that. We're simply going to say that the office of priest was an office that was very important and it was to be an abiding office in the church of God. Why is that? Because there always has to be a go-between between people and God. 
we can approach into the Lord. Only the priests could do that. And it was that one time a year that the high priest would go into the most holy place and he would offer sacrifices for himself and for the people. They were God's spokesmen. They were to represent the Lord faithfully. They were to communicate his word faithfully. These men that he's talking about here in Malachi were the pastors, if you will, of the Old Testament. They were to teach. They were to instruct. They were to rebuke. They were to encourage. And they're not doing any of that. As a matter of fact, we read back in chapter 1 that it's wearisome to them. They don't want to hear about it. They don't want to hear this business of you not being pleased with us. They don't want to hear this business of you uh, being unpleasant or unpleased with us taking animals by, by a force and offering you things that are not first and things that are not what you have ordered in your word. We do not want to hear about any of these things. And that kind of attitude is a kind of attitude that someone embraces when they do not take seriously God's honor, God's power, God's justice, God's wrath. They have no concern for it whatsoever. And the way that they are reasoning, the way that they are thinking, they really have put themselves above God. And we don't answer to him. We don't have to give an account for how we do this ministry, how we do this job. We don't have to worry about that at all. And you see, they had just lost the idea. They had lost the vision of the majesty of God. They had lost the mindset of the greatness of God and that God was a source of their life and God was a source of their strength and God was a source of all things good in their lives. They had forgotten all of that and they simply did not care. In the church today, turn it on and listen to the preaching. I'm not saying I'm a great preacher. I'm not saying that. I get by, but I try to be faithful to the word. I do that. I try to preach what's in the text. I try to communicate the truth of the gospel. That's what I do. That's what God called me to do. But you listen to TV, and you listen to people in churches, and it is hard to find a church where they really want to preach the gospel. And it's a sad commentary on the church in our society today. God does not take it lightly when his word is ignored, when his word is abused, and when people teach things that simply are not true. Now, this is something that should bother us greatly, I think. It is something that we should be concerned with when we see churches not obeying the word of the Lord. We see churches not abiding by what God says to do, and it's by and large. And we see it in our own denomination, those things that are coming to our own people. And what are we going to do? What are we going to do if in our presbytery they tell us, yes, you can ordain these individuals. You can ordain this man that same-sex attraction. You can ordain him. And yet, does that not fly in the face of what is written in the Scriptures? He is to be above reproach. He is to be a man who is committed Be a man who is striving to be Christ-like and godly in his commitments, in his thoughts, his words, his deeds. And yet our denomination is ignoring the dictates of Scripture. And here we see in the Old Testament, he will not hold them guiltless who do such a thing as this. 
They have polluted the word. They are given instruction that's not correct. And we see it happening again and again and again in the history of the church. And may it never be that we're ever pleased with it or ever comfortable with it. Or we come to say, well, there's just nothing we can do. That's just the way it is. That's the way history goes. No, sir. That's not the way that we go. That's not the thing that we do. We stand up and be counted. And it may not be popular. And it may not be something that is uh, correct in our modern thoughts. But it is something that's biblical. And that's where we have to take our stand. Like Martin Luther said about the scriptures here, I stand. I can do no other. These people in the Old Testament, these men of God, refused to obey the Lord. Refused to. They were confronted by the prophet. They didn't care. Who is God that I should fear him? Who is God that I should obey him? Who is God that I have to listen to what this prophet is telling me to do? Even though ultimately it's God that told the man not to do, what to do, not the prophet per se, but God who gave this command. And God calls to account those committed to service. We read here in the scriptures, he sends a curse upon them. I'm going to curse you. And this is a humiliating curse. And this all takes place when they fall, when the southern kingdom fell. And if you read the book of Habakkuk, and you read what Nebuchadnezzar was like, and you read what the soldiers were like, when they threw over these men nets, when they threw over these men all of these things that happened, these things that took place because they simply had refused to obey the Lord. And here God has come. This is the last of the prophets. Babylon had already happened. And they have not learned their lesson. They have not learned a thing. They have a memory of the things that happened. You remember they came back and they rebuilt, they rebuilt the, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the temple. They rebuilt the walls and they celebrated and they had a great celebration. And now look what's happening. Those who sat and listened to the word of God being read, those who stood at attention while the word of God was being read, showing respect for the scriptures. Now, what are they doing? The whole book of Malachi speaks of spiritual disaster. There's idolatry. Husbands are leaving their wives. They're not tithing. They're not honoring God with their substance again and again and again. There is unfaithfulness to the Lord. And here at the very top of the rung of the ladder, if you will, where there is to be an example set, these men are ignoring God's word. And if the leadership ignores God's word, trickle down, trickle down immorality. So it is that God brings a curse upon them. And he tells them that they are going to be humiliated. That they are going to be judged severely. That they are going to be wishing and praying that God might relent. And you notice this, they can't bless anybody. They don't have the ability to bless anybody. I said, I'm going to take that away from you. What you, your great privilege you've had of blessing people, of ministering my word to people, of talking Unto people and encouraging people and comforting people. He says, all of these things I'm taking away from you. 
you're not going to have the privilege anymore. You're not going to be able to do anything as far as ministry is concerned. Well, then I said a moment ago that um, we believe in the priesthood of all believers. That's what's taught in 1 Peter chapter 1, 5 through 9. We can ask ourselves then. How are we doing in carrying out our own responsibilities in the church? How are we doing with seeing that the church is not weakened but strengthened by our commitment and by our ministry to the life of the church? How are we doing in those things? How are we doing in our walk with the Lord of striving to be holy? God has told us, Christ has told us, you are to be holy even as your Heavenly Father is holy. You're to be perfect as God is perfect. That's the goal. How are we doing striving after the goal? Not, not reaching it, per se, but striving for it. How are we doing day by day when we hear that word, we hear that verse in our minds, you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect, and we fail? Do we really try? Do we really want to be God-like and holy? That's the question we must ask ourselves. Do I really want to be like Jesus? Do I really? What effort am I putting forth then? Am I striving against sin? Am I in the Word of God? Am I pleading for God's grace and help in my life every single day? Because there I see the manifestation of sin again and again and again. I'm not what God calls me to be. How do I care? Do I really care? Do you care? So how are we doing with our walk of holiness? Is that something that we are commanded to do before the Lord? How are we doing in our efforts for sanctification? How are we doing in loving one another? How are we doing in ministering in the church? Listen to this. Dr. Rayburn said this to our class on more than one occasion. My preaching professor. Gentlemen, don't ever. Think of retiring. You don't retire from the ministry. You don't retire from God's calling. And I can say this. Don't ever think of retiring from the church. You have a calling. You have a responsibility. I tell you, Ruth Dallahan, who many of you remember, came to a point where she could not come to church very often. But I know this. I know she was praying before the Lord. She was a faithful prayer. And on Wednesday nights, and when she would come, we used to have quite a few to come on Lord's Day in the middle of the week for Bible study and prayer time. She preached, I mean, she prayed one, one evening, and we left there. Jess said that prayer should be written down. It was that rich, it was that deep. She prayed with passion. So we don't retire from ministry. We don't retire from being involved in the church in one way or another. We are to be what God calls us to be. We are to be faithful to him. And then we can ask ourselves, then how is our prayer life? Are we striving to be what God calls us to be as far as prayer is concerned? This next Wednesday, take advantage of that day, please. Take advantage of that day to humble yourself before the Lord, to fast before God. If you can, if you can't, some people just can't do it. They can't go without eating food. But maybe eat a light lunch quickly and then spend that time on your face or on your knees praying to God. Lord, bless this church. 
Oh, God, bless our denomination. Oh, God, bless our presbytery. Oh, Lord, help us to be faithful. And we pray, oh, God, that you would warm our hearts to Christ, that you would help us to love Jesus more tomorrow than we do today, that you would help us to be more committed to Christ, and that we would not come to a point of thinking we have arrived and we are sanctified enough. And we say, we're tired of putting forth the effort. I'm tired of going to the Scriptures again and again. I'm tired of praying. I'm just tired of these things. May that never, ever come from our lips or hearts. May it never, ever come out of our mouths. May we pray, as the psalmist says, as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul longs for you, O God. Oh, I desire you in my life. I desire your presence with me. I want to know you more closely today than yesterday. Give me the grace, O God, to grow in love for you and grow in commitment and grow, O God, in my labors. We don't want to be like the priest of old who didn't care. What kind of thought, what kind of mindset must they have about God to hear and be corrected and say, it's a wearisome thing, isn't it? It's a wearisome thing to hear this Business of being chastised, that we're wrong. Leave us alone, prophet. Go away. Let us do our job like we want to do it. And don't make us think about your God. Because it seems like they didn't have any relationship with the Lord at all. I love it in Isaiah, where he says to the people of Israel, they say this, Stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. Tell us. Pleasant things. Tickle our ears. Don't confront us. Don't let us hear how we need to repent. Don't let us hear how we need to be more committed. Don't let us hear these things. Tell us pleasant things. Don't confront us with a God who is infinite in holiness and a God who is the great judge. Tell us sweet things. Tell us everything's okay. Tell us we're safe. Tell us God's very pleased with all that we do. Tell us that. But don't confront us with His holiness. I love Isaiah 6. Where there, that prophet, who was a godly man, who knew the Lord, sees that vision of God and that unadulterated holiness of God expressed before him. And the angels flying back and forth before the throne, declaring, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The earth is filled with his glory. And there are that prophet, woe, woe, woe is me. I am undone. I've seen the Lord. I've seen the holiness of God. And I've seen it. And I'm terribly aware now of my own sinfulness, of my own failings. I am a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. Oh, I am coming apart at the seams. Remember there, the angel flies and touches his lips and says, Your sins are taken away. That God of grace encouraging the prophet. Then I said a moment ago that the office of priest was perpetual. It is perpetual. And it was finally fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ, the great high priest, 
who intercedes for us at this very moment. So though we fail, and though we find ourselves at times not being a strength for the church, but a weakness, we find ourselves at times not loving people as we are called to love them. We find ourselves not trusting God as we are called to trust Him. We find ourselves not being pleased with God's providence and even accusing God of being unjust. We find these sins that come out of our pores like sweat on a hot day. May we have Christ. We have not a high priest who cannot sympathize with us in our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all ways, even as we are, yet without sin. These priests were foolish, foolish men. They had revelation. They knew what they were supposed to do, and they didn't care. Don't be like that. Don't be ever like, I don't care. I don't care if God's displeased with me. And I can't tell you, I am so, so burdened because of someone that I know that was a professing believer, that is still a professing believer, and lives with someone, not married. What happened? How can it be? How can it be? I was talking to Charles, and some of you know Lorraine Bettner. And I told Charles this story where Lorraine Bettner was living somewhere in Missouri, and one of the guys in seminary with me rode his bicycle across Missouri and went by to see Dr. Bettner, got his picture made with him. And Dr. Bettner quit attending worship because he was disillusioned with the church. And that's a very sad thing. He was pretty old. Matter of fact, he looked real old in the picture. But he expressed some remorse about the church. And what a sad thing. What a sad thing that the church would ever reach that state. What a sad thing that he would reach that conclusion. But he did. Let's don't ever add to the condition of the church being one that's weak or being one that's not faithful. We have a great high priest who loves us, who intercedes for us ever at the right hand of God. And he is the one that is ruling his church. Men don't rule it. Guys at General Assembly, they don't rule it. Christ rules it. And he's ruling it now. So we plead to him. Lord, bless your church. Bless your church. Raise up men to preach the gospel faithfully. Send revival to us. Revive our souls again. Revive our hearts, O Lord. Let's pray for that. Do you know him this night? Do you really know Jesus? Or are you simply religious? These priests who are religious people did not know Christ, did not know God, did not know, did not look forward to the coming Messiah. They were quite pleased with themselves. And it was a mistake of a lifetime. Let's serve him faithfully. Let's pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, oh, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy and kindness. Lord, help us, we pray, to be faithful. Give us a burden for the church. And that it would long to see it as your church uh, being displayed by obedience, 
uh, being uh, obviously a church that we recognize belongs to you. It's not our church. It's your church, O God. And may we be faithful in laboring. May we be faithful, O God, in being what you would have us to be, what you would call us to be. Do, Do revive us, we pray, our Father. Do send, O Lord, your spirit to rain down upon us blessings upon blessing, that we may grow in love for you, that we may grow in love for your word, that we may grow in love for each other. O God, make us to be, help us to be like Jesus, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.